Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121. Or online at mybestbailbonds.com. This is Andrew Monaco, and you're listening to 941 San Antonio Sports Star. It is the Blitz here on 941 San Antonio Sports Star. He is Joe Reinagle. I'm Jason Menix. Glad to have you along on this Tuesday afternoon. Houston Texans crush Cleveland. They get Baltimore next. Let's talk about it. Indy Kalua. Former Texan joining us now on the Buyers Barricades guest line. I can only imagine the mood in the city of Houston on this Tuesday, Indy. You know what? I'm still not that happy, Jason. And just just real quick, I don't want to get too controversial, but something's really bothering me. You know, there's this stereotype that black dads don't show up for their kids. They don't show up for their sons. But what I was watching... Dak Prescott's daddy, Jordan Love, showed up, and he did a great job <laughs> with, with lessons and, and teaching his son I, how the game is I credit you, ND, and at the same time, uh, you suck. Uh, love you, brother. <laughs> but we had, a, we had an internal bet here on how quickly it would take you to rip the Cowboys, and, and, and I said 10 seconds. And the fact that you went with that great setup, you pushed it to 23, uh, late as usual, but you ultimately get there. Dude, that, that was genius. I'm going to say, Andy, rice that, guy. that was genius. You're a rice guy. That I was mean, genius. You should see the messages this guy was texting me on Sunday. I'm sure he was. I, I mean, well they were deserved. non-existent like the Cowboys defense. Well deserved. So I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't think there's any debate anymore, Indy, about who the best quarterback in the state of Texas is. Well, Joe, you and I weren't debating it. There's only one guy <laughs> who, uh, who, who didn't quite understand I, I, uh, the best quarterback in Texas is C.J. Stroud. It, well, I mean, he's, he's, the, he's the best one playing this weekend. I'll give you that. I, 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 will, I, I will say this, though. In typical little brother fashion, the Cowboys are living in your head. You had this great win, yet it's always about the Dallas Cowboys. I love it. I mean, when you guys, when you become a part of the Texans organization, when you're going through uh, uh, the orientation process, is that part of it that, you know, no matter what we're doing, it's still always about the Dallas Cowboys? You know what? It's not our fault. It's the loudmouth Dallas Cowboys fans who, who keep, you know, bringing up the Cowboys, bringing up the 90s. You, you brought up the Cowboys, not me. I wanted to talk about the Texans. No, I was just talking about father figures. Actually, you brought I was talking about father figures, you know, in the east side community of San Antonio. Mm-hmm. That, that's all I was talking about. There you about. go. <laughs> well, you know, indeed, there's no way that Jason or anybody else listening can debate that. Jordan Love came in and schooled the Dallas Cowboys. Dude, dude, Jordan Love was incredible. Um uh, I mean, that, that, I, we saw two incredible quarterback performances over the weekend. 
One by C.J. Stroud, one by Jordan Love, both making their first playoff starts. It was incredible. Incredible quarterback play. I'll tell you what, if you love the NFL and if you love quarterback play, you should feel pretty good about the next few years, the next couple of decades, because me, as a football fan, not only did I play, but I'm a huge football fan, and the thought of Drew Brees retiring, Peyton Manning retiring, uh, uh, Tom Brady, the best to ever do it, retiring. You're kind of like, uh oh. But now you see this new crop. You see these young stars, and and you know football's in a good place right now with this quarterback play. Indy, I've got to ask you. I'm watching that game on Saturday, and really not believing what I'm seeing. I mean, yeah, C.J. Stroud played well, but I tell you what, that that Houston defense was uh, on point, man. I mean, they just stifled Joe Flacco and the Browns. And you know it's crazy. You have Will Anderson, who's playing on basically one and a half legs because he has that high ankle sprain, which is very tough to play on. Then you have a guy like Derek Barnett, who was cut by the Philadelphia Eagles. Not only did he get a sack, but he had like three quarterback hits. Uh, you know, Kurt Heinisch, <laughs> raise your hand if you know Kurt Heinisch, <laughs> the undrafted second-year player. He's getting after the quarterback. So what's cool about it, Joe, you, you have guys that just aren't the big stars, but they're playing like stars, and that lets you know that they're buying into what D'Amico Ryans is trying to do in regards to the culture and just changing the mindset with this entire organization. When you think about expectations – and the fact that there weren't any on Houston coming into the season, even down the stretch, I think most Texans fans were okay with whatever whatever happens is fine because it's about next year in building. And I think a lot of Texans fans, uh, the three that call into this show and, and James Pledger, our producer, and even you, I, I, I think to, to a degree – you know, it was house money. And then I saw that interview that C.J. Stroud did with Pat McAfee, and he was like, yeah. I think I think everybody in that room believed, outside fans, it doesn't matter. Some guy just tweeted here a minute ago and said, be had none, as long as they beat the Titans twice, he was happy. How do, how do the Texans players, you know, you talk about D'Amico changing the culture and the mindset in that locker room. You know, you beat the hell out of Cleveland and Joe Flacco. Now you've got Lamar, and the only game that... I, I remember where C.J. really looked like a rookie was that game against Baltimore to start things off. You know, what was cool about what you said, the players never bought into the mindset of the fans and the support staff because you're right. E- even me, I'm guilty of it. Before the season started, my thought was as long as they show that they're going in the right direction. The previous two years with Lovey Smith and um, they, uh, Cully, I, I can't believe I already forgot his name, uh, uh, Cully. Who? <laughs> yeah, Dave Coley, the, the, the one guy who, who everyone was shocked when he was given the opportunity to be a head coach. But it was so bad. The thought was, as long as the Texans show they're heading in the right direction this season, but D'Amico, that wasn't good enough for him and for the pl- players. Every week when I was able to talk to a player on the podcast, and it, and it wasn't just player speak or coach speak, but they were they were almost offended when we were patting them on the back and saying, hey, y'all have already – done more than what we expected. Y'all have already exceeded expectation because in their mind, they're supposed to be in the Super Bowl. As crazy as that sounds, they've all bought into that, and we're seeing it with the way they play every week. You know what, Indy? I don't know how crazy it is anymore. I mean, because, I, look, I, I didn't give them a chance against Cleveland. I thought they were going to get beat against Cleveland, and they smoked the Browns. Now they're going up to play the number one seed and, and, and most likely the MVP in Lamar Jackson – 
uh, who, again, with all due respect to Lamar, hasn't done very well in the playoffs. So I'm thinking the Texans go up there. They've got a legit shot. No, absolutely. I mean, when you talk about, and this isn't a knock, this is true assessment, but when you talk about teams and quarterbacks who are known for not really carrying their team throughout the playoffs, we already saw what happened with Dallas. We saw what happened with my former team, excuse me, the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. So, yeah, I mean, as much pressure as the Texans put on themselves, Lamar Jackson, the two-time NFL MVP, if he wins it again this season, he's known for not winning playoff games or getting to the Super Bowl. So there's as much pressure on him as the Texans coming to town. You think about the, and obviously I'm not trying to compare Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson, right? But when you look at what that defense did to Joe Flacco uh, with the uh, two interceptions, you get a couple of pick sixes, um, and again, Flacco threw the ball well, got a bunch of yards. At least this time they covered Amari Cooper. But Cleveland still couldn't run the ball against that Texans defense. Will Is that kind of the defensive game plan you expect this Sunday from Houston? Stop the run, including uh, Lamar. And if, if they can do that, they're going to have a chance to go into Baltimore and upset the one seed? Absolutely. I mean, you nailed it. Stop the run and including in all caps Lamar Jackson. Don't let him get away. Uh, when you rush him as a passer, when he drops back to pass, you really have to be cognizant of your rush lanes, meaning you can't leave these windows for him to dip in and pick up 15, 20 yards with his legs because that would just kill a defensive drive. But if they can stop the run and if if uh, Lamar Jackson sits back there and he's patting the ball and he just beats you solely with his arm, then they're just the better team on that weekend. But if they can, sh- if they can shut down the run or slow it down, it could get real exciting in Baltimore for the Texans. But, Indy, you know how it is, man. You go in, you watch film, you see the Lamar, this is the way you stop him, you draw it up on the board, and then you get out there and you watch this guy run around like a video game. Uh, it's easier said than done sometimes. Oh, most of the time. I remember preparing for Vic many years, uh, and just like you said, we write it up on the whiteboard. Back then we used whiteboards, you know, not tablets, but we write it up, and it looks good, and we're smiling, thinking that we have an answer to, to the stopping Michael Vick. And after the first broken-down rush, and he rushes for 50 yards, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the, the whiteboard and the actual field are two entirely different things. So, no, you're right. And here's the thing as a defense. You can't get down. Lamar Jackson will have at least three big plays. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell you right now. So as a defense, you just have to suck it up and make sure those, you know, those three games don't mean that you're going to actually lose the game. When you, I'm trying to think, knowing, you know, with, without being too simplistic, Indy, if Lamar is on the uh, sideline, he can't hurt you. Uh, does Bobby Sloak and the offense do anything different against that Ravens defense, which, by the way, is a really good defense, but how do you make sure your offense stays out on the field, especially with all the injuries that Houston has had offensively? You figure at some point it might catch up to them. Noah Brown going on IR this week. Uh, wh- what do you think the game plan will be offensively for Houston Saturday against Baltimore? You know, that that's a great question, and I hope Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, isn't thinking about Lamar Jackson. I, I, he needs to be going into this game just thinking whatever the Texans offense needs to do to put points on the board. But if they say, oh, we're going to slow it down and try to run the ball and, and take time off the clock. And, look, I'm not an offensive coordinator. I'm, I'm 
you, you know, so I could be dead wrong. But just my opinion as a former defensive player, if you go into the game trying to control too much as an offensive unit saying we want to help our defense out and, and slow down the offense, if that takes you out of your rhythm, it's just going to have the opposite effect. If you run a fast-paced offense, then stick to it. Don't let Lamar Jackson determine what you do as an offense. You know, India, and it doesn't always work out this way, but at least in the first round of the playoffs it has. You've got a team in Green Bay, a team in Houston, who absolutely are playing with house money. They've got nothing to lose. They're going in. They're just free playing. Uh, and, and and it's going to be the same this week with Houston. Again, I mean, there's nothing. There's no pressure on this Houston team. All the pressure's on Baltimore. All the pressure's going to be on San Francisco. That kind of stuff is dangerous, isn't it? I mean, we saw it with the Dallas Cowboys. They couldn't handle the pressure, and they got smoked. Um, and, and, and I see the same thing happening this week against Baltimore and San Francisco. Same two things could happen. You know, as you were talking and, and uh, you know, setting up that question, my mind went to the Washington team I was on where we won the division with a bunch of no-name guys, including myself, and we also won our first-round playoffs game because of what you said. No one expected us to, one, win the division. No one expected us to uh, win our first playoff game. And when I said we stepped on the field with a smile on our face, I think, you know what, whether we win or lose, we're going to the strip club after this game and we're going to have a bunch of fun. So when you have that loose attitude, it's very dangerous. It's very uh, contagious, too, around your team because on the flip side, when I was in Philly and we were winning the division, beating the Cowboys every year, mm-hmm. and everyone expected us to go to the Super Bowl, when we got into the playoffs, our backsides were so tight, we weren't really ourselves. And a couple of times we lost to like Carolina the year I feel like we really should have been in the Super Bowl, but Carolina Panthers beat us. And I don't think they were a better team, but we were just so tight because, you know, it was ours to have and, you know, we couldn't make any mistakes and you just can't go into a game like that. So you're absolutely right. This next round of football, Green Bay, uh, Houston, even though, you know, I just mentioned Houston put the pressure on themselves, Tampa Bay, it's going to be fun to watch those teams uh, because people aren't, aren't really giving them a chance. But the Buffaloes, the Kansas Cities, San Francisco, Baltimore, you know, if they lose, it's like oh, the weight of the world's on their shoulders right now. Indy Kalu, that is so interesting. You played a decade plus in the NFL. Take us into the, the mindset of a locker room playing with pressure because, I, you know, we talked about it earlier. The, the Cowboys could not handle the pressure. All the pressure was on the Dallas Cowboys Green Bay won the toss, took the ball. They went down and scored because they know the Cowboys aren't a good team playing from behind. When you are playing with that much pressure, because I'm trying to figure out how a team comes out so flat and uninspired on both sides of the ball. The Cowboys' offense was bad. Uh, the, the defense w- was, was just awful. How, how does a team come out flat like that? How does every guy on the roster come out with – their backside so tight, as you just put it, that they can't perform. Because they put that much pressure on themselves. They were listening to, you know, ESPN in the morning. They were listening to y'all's show, and they knew that they had to win this game. And if they didn't win it, a coach may get fired. Uh, Dak Prescott will be the butt of so many jokes. And yeah, and, and I've seen it. Like, I've, I've been in a locker room where you're expected to win, it's win or bust, and you're disappointing so many people if you don't win, and everybody's very quiet. You know, they're real quiet. And I don't want to knock them, Jason. I don't want to say that they came out uninspired, 
but they, they were just almost nervous and put too much pressure because it, you, you have to win. It can, and it's, supposed, it's not even supposed to be a close game. So, you know, you've been in that locker room where everyone's quiet and you're thinking, okay, everybody's just locked in. But then you've, I've also, on the flip side, in the second round of the playoffs, people weren't expecting us to be there. You know, they're jamming music. They have little Boosie and Webby going in the locker room, and you might get nervous if you're the head coach. Like, uh-oh, are my guys taking it serious? And it's like, hell yeah, they're taking it serious, but they're about to go have a good time. So I, I don't know the psychology behind it because some players, the Tom Brady's of the world, it seems like they're never too tight and they never overthink it. But then you see a team like Philadelphia – like uh, what we saw with, with uh, Dallas, where, look, look, as much as I joke about Dallas, they have way more talent than Green Bay. But on that given day, I feel like the pressure just got to them. And that's where you need to have that coach, that coaching staff, that knows how to keep it loose even when the pressure is at its highest point. You know, Andy, and, and you say that sometimes the better team doesn't always win, I guess. But C.J. Stroud apparently on the podium right now as we speak and looking at some tweets from Houston reporters said, quote, we don't subscribe to the house money narrative and we believe in ourselves. Is that podium talk or do you think that's real? It's a little bit of both. Like, like he might really feel, you know, we're not buying. Because basically, if you're saying, oh, we're playing with house money, let, let's kind of dig deeper into what you're really saying with that phrase. You're basically saying we're not supposed to be here. So, you know, we're just going to go have a good time. So no team, no player no individual current player is going to look at their team like that. You're so detached from reality when you're a football player, when you're in the NFL, you think that you're going to the Super Bowl. Before the season starts, the Carolina Panthers thought that they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. You're just detached from reality when you're a player. So I'm not saying that he doesn't believe what he's saying, Jason, but it's cool to say it. But once you get into the game, you still don't have the same press. Regardless of what he's saying, they don't have the same pressure. They're not feeling it the same way the Baltimore Ravens. If the Baltimore Ravens lose at home again after Lamar Jackson wins his second NFL MVP, but yet he can't lead his team to the Super Bowl, that's going to be a much bigger disappointment than if the Houston Texans get on that plane and come back with an L. All right, Indy, I've got to ask you this question because it looked like it to me, but you tell me as a former NFL player and a former Philadelphia Eagle, did that team quit on Sirianni? Ooh, you know what? I'm the wrong person to ask because <laughs> one of the worst things you could say about somebody is is that they quit. Like I joke a lot. I'll say, you know, Jordan Love is uh, Dak's daddy, but to say a player quit is like that's that's one of the worst things that you could say about a player. I'll just say that given day, Tampa Bay just kicked their butts. I mean, they're just a better team, but I can't think of. Fletcher Cox quitting. I can't think of Jason Kelsey quitting. It's tough for me to say that. Yeah, but how do you explain the collapse? Um, you know, and as a Cowboy fan, pissed off my season is over. The only glee right now is look what happened to the Eagles, right? I, I mean, you know, I mean, how do you explain a collapse? They were 10-1. and one. Hell yeah. Well, two things. Um, you, you know, you win in bunches, and even San Francisco now, it wasn't six games where they look like trash, like like the Eagles. But as great as – I think San Francisco is the best football team in, in the league right now. But there was a couple of weeks where you were scratching your head. But with the Eagles, maybe they just weren't as good as the record said they were after those 11 games. And maybe they were ignoring 
things that they should not have ignored during those victories. Because I was talking to a buddy of mine who uh, who was an all-pro cornerback for the Eagles during the game, and he was like, man, the issues that the defensive backs are having, I noticed that when they were on that 10-game win streak. So maybe as a coaching staff, they ignored in victory what they shouldn't have ignored. So I, I don't know the reason, but let's keep in mind, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they get paid too. Baker Mayfield, you know, again, I'm not going to sit up here and say he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but there's also a reason why he went in the first round. There's also a reason why he, he won the Heisman. Like, he knows how to play football. So I think just everything fell right for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, yesterday when they took on the Eagles. The great N.D. Kalu, former Texan, now a analyst with the Texans, does a podcast with their kicker and everything. He does all kinds of stuff. The San Antonio Sports Hall of Famer. Always great to catch up, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. So for the next three weeks, we'll just talk Texans. We don't, I guess we don't talk Cowboys. Always talk Cowboys, my Always friend. Always talk Cowboys. You know, we, we, we talk Eagles. We, we talk Buccaneers. Um, yeah, yeah. Football talk with ND next Tuesday. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you all next week. Appreciate it. Indy Kalu on the Buyer's Barricades guest line where they provide traffic control rental and sales for San Antonio and beyond online at buyersbarricades.com.